0: In this week's episode, I chat with Option Alpha's
1: Kirk DuPlessis. It is not about finding the fast track. It's about getting on the track, the right track, the fastest. Ultimately, I mean, investing is a mix of personality and risk profile, right? Like, what do you want to do? Like, How much risk are you willing to take? How much activity are you willing to put in? And I don't think it's for everybody, but I think that options trading has to be an aspect that you have to include in your portfolio people look at the world of options trading and they associate complicated with high returns, which is the wrong association. The association you should be making is simplicity and consistency equals high returns. And the underlying fundamentals are you got to be an option seller and you got to keep your position size small. And like that's it, like high probability option selling, small positions. And there's a lot of avenues to get there. So where people get tripped up is they think or they over assume that there's one direction my goal in trading really is to be the guy who's always here the next year right like I never want to disappear. keeping this the same level of consistency and persistency you know day after day week after week month after month and that's hard to do I mean that's that's what a disciplined investor trader does but I want to be that guy you know that that's there for a long time because that's where the numbers are like the numbers the success numbers are really on the further end of the spectrum so it's the ability to get to that further end.
2: From the outside looking in, it can sometimes appear that peak performers have an elusive talent or skill that sets them apart from the rest of us. However, what usually sets peak performers apart isn't what they can do, it's what they will do. You are listening to the Trading Edges podcast, the podcast dedicated to seeking and sharing the best ideas and principles from peak performers across all domains of performance and achievement to help you discover your full trading potential.
0: Greetings ladies and gentlemen, and this is Houston. Welcome to episode 30 of Trading Edges. And in this episode, we talk options with Option Alpha's Kirk DuPlessis. And having had my own ups and downs trading options, I think one of the most salient points that Kirk drives home early in the show is that it's not about finding the fast track to success. It's about finding the right track the fastest. I'll say that one again because it really hits home. It's not about finding the fast track, it's about finding the right track the fastest. Because I think as traders, many of us have this propensity for for new shiny objects, right? Or the shiny object syndrome. And this keeps us in sort of a never-ending loop of chasing the next strategy, the next indicator, the next big stock, and so on and so forth. And all of this misses the real mark, and that's skill development. And the key to skill development, which I'll be covering in a future episode, is this idea of deliberate practice, or creating structure to begin to make some um, deliberate changes in the way you practice so that you can begin to develop skill. So one of the big takeaways from the show comes from this idea of doing the quote-unquote one thing. This idea is one that I've spoken about in the past in some of my training programs, and it comes from a good book called The One Thing by Gary Keller. And the idea is, what's the one thing you know you should be doing that if you were to do, many other things would just fall into place? So if you were to step out of your trading for a second, and if you were to treat your business like a, a restaurant, what one thing... Would you need to be focusing on to improve the business? Oftentimes it helps to reframe trading in that other context. Treat your business, your trading business, like a business and not just a a series of setups or series of plays. What one thing, again, could you be focusing on that would shift everything else if you would do that one thing exceptionally? The other big takeaway comes from this. Uh, from actually a recently completed backtesting project where Kirk and his team backtested over 21 million option strategies and he shares some of the key insights they discovered from this testing. And one of the main ideas is around options is to start with some simple building block option strategies that involve simply writing or selling options every month to collect the premium, sort of delta neutral strategies or neutral strategies and just looking for the markets to do the work. Another is a 10 minute a day strategy that Kirk shared in the show that has yielded 22 percent annualized and compounded growth for the past 15 years. You want to tune in to hear more on the details of that strategy. It was a real pleasure to chat with Kirk and he's got me inspired to reconsider the role of options trading in my own overall trading strategy. Don't forget to head over to the resource page at the Trading Edge backslash um, episode 30 for the show notes and links to everything we talked about on the show. Without further ado, let's start the show. Welcome everyone to episode 30 of Trading Edges. Now, on today's podcast, we're going to talk a bit of options. This is kind of the first time we've talked about options on on, uh, on the show. But on the podcast today, we have a trader by the name of Kirk Duplessis. And Kirk is the trader is a trader and founder of a great site called Option Alpha. He's also had some interesting experience around real estate, uh, spent some time in investment banking, as well as being a REIT analyst. So first off, Kirk, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me on. I appreciate
0: it. You bet, man. So why don't we start from the beginning with roots in, you know, real estate, investment banking, and as a retail analyst, how did you make the foray into trading?
1: Well, trading is crazy, and so I just figured I might as well do the most craziest thing I <laughs> do, right? Like, no, no, I just, um, you know, my parents were in real estate for a long time in the mortgage business. I mean, I kind of grew up in, like, the business finance world, so for me, it was a really easy, natural transition. I went to school for finance. Um, and as strange as it sounds, I had no, I had no clue what I wanted to do after school. And I went to uh, the University of Virginia, which at the time was like the top business school you could go to. And so I like kind of looked around. I was like, what are, what are all my friends doing? They're all jumping in investment banking in New York. I said, okay, well that sounds, that sounds like you know maybe I should do that. So. Mm-hmm. I went to New York and worked for Deutsche Bank for a while in M and A. And when I was up there, I had a rotation in the derivatives trading desk. And so that's where I first like really got my introduction into options. Like I studied it in school and you know took classes on it, but like really like you know seeing like kind of like major players doing it in a major way. That's where I got my introduction to it. Um, eventually, left New York. Um, my wife told me it was either in New York in investment banking or her. So at the time, she was my fiance, and I I left that. And was that a good trade? That was a, that was a great, that's the best trade I've made. And, um, uh, so left that, we moved to D.C. I was in the REIT space uh, for a while as a research analyst. So I would publish reports. I would meet with CEOs and CFOs and talk about their real estate business. And and to me, that at the time was like a nice hybrid, you know, because I, I loved real estate. I was, you know, I liked that aspect of the business, but I also liked, you know, the financial stock market world and, you know, that, that side. Um, and so that was a good experience. And then eventually, you know, uh, while I was home in D.C., started trading for myself and started, you know, kind of. Doing some of the things I had learned in New York, and you know that just has continued to grow. And so, um, I've been trading now for over eight years. I've had Option Alpha for about eight years now, um, and so I guess the rest is history for eight years. <laughs> nice.
0: And so, what made you gravitate to those derivatives? I uh, guess so you're talking specifically about options. Or you're talking about other more uh, other derivative items as well, like futures and other
1: yeah, I've done a little bit of everything, but yeah. it, but for me, it's always been options. Um, you know, like for me, it's it's a math- based approach. like I you know, futures, you could say there's like a lot of math behind it, but it's still really directional, like everything else. you know, Forex still really directional, like everything else. And then people try to overlay like the technical analysis aspect of it. and that's cool. I, I get that. we've back tested technical analysis out the wazoo and, you know, kind of have our opinions on that. But, you know, for me, options is, really the only thing that's really ever made sense on a consistent basis, right like and, and we all go through like ebbs and flows of like is this the right thing that I'm doing or not? Right. Um, and options have always been that like steady rock that I know is is pretty consistent and, and can understand the math. And so for me, like that's the most important confidence thing that I have is I have to understand the math behind it, the rationale like there's got to be a reason that we're doing it instead of you know some whimsical you know just guess or assumption
0: kind of shoot by the hip kind of thing.
1: Yeah, which I think is what a lot of people do.
0: Yeah, absolutely, especially when they first get started. Oh, yeah. So so we'll definitely talk more about backtesting because I know you shared with me before the show about this very interesting backtesting project that you worked on and some of the findings that came out of that. Um, But going back to the beginning of your Mm trading again, so um, how did you get started, you know, uh, with options trading, did you just kinda jump, you know, kind of you know, right up to your waist and, and in Twitter, did you have a, a more structured approach to your development? Uh, can you share yeah, how no. you got
1: started? Totally not. So like <laughs> and so like <laughs> I say this because if people like go and like look out like my like first blog posts, which were which were ironically enough on like Google Blogger, if anybody's been around that <laughs> sure. long to like know <laughs> what Google Blogger is. Yeah. But like it was totally random, totally not structured in the beginning. And I think everyone starts like that. I don't mm. think anyone actually starts off with like a real concrete, you know, kind of framework. I mean I, I constantly say like the first week that I was like really trading at home by myself, like I lost almost 10 grand and so my wife looked at me and she's like listen like you know like I know you want to do this trading thing but she's like that, like that's not gonna happen you know what I mean like <laughs> you better fix it pretty quick yeah. and so yeah I did a lot of the common mistakes that everyone does you know early on or, or maybe like two common mistakes like too big of a position size fighting against the market assuming i was right when i would have no idea if i'm going to be right or wrong on direction um you know not using the right strategy i mean like all of your i mean you make a list of common mistakes i probably did them in the first two three weeks of you know like trading and i think that's common that people you know go through that cycle and uh so for me like very shortly after that i'm like okay listen like whatever i think i was doing i wasn't and then that's where like has been a continuous journey for me to really like find out what works. Right. And I know there's not one thing that works. So I think people have to get over that right away. Like there's not one thing that works and then every else everything else doesn't. There's obviously trade-offs, but like there has to there is now I, I can say that now I know knowing what we do know because of the back testing we've done, there's a consistent framework of of what you need to be doing as an options trader. And if you're not doing you know those things, You have a really low likelihood of maintaining your success for a long time. I I think there's—I don't knock on guys who are really good at you know like trading in a short period of time, but like show me somebody who's really been successful for you know eight years or ten years or whatever the case is, and I think those people are far and few who are doing a lot of home run type trades, a lot of really you know like really big positions. I think the time bomb is uh, ticking on them.
0: Yeah, the folks who are approaching it as 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 gamblers are looking for those home runs. (laughs) as part of their main core strategy then that's that's definitely a like you said a ticking time bomb yep and it sounds like you've also found that sweet intersection of what works and what fits your personality so it sounds like you know you said you're kind of math oriented so the options was was kind of a natural fit would you say that
1: yeah i think so i mean i think ultimately i mean investing is a mix of personality and risk profile right like what do you want to do like how much risk are you willing to take how much activity are you willing to put in and i don't think it's for everybody but i think that Options trading has to be an aspect that you have to include in your portfolio. I mean, nowadays, like I was on you know another podcast a while back, and you know the guy that I was talking to, he was like, "Well, you don't really need options." I'm like, "No, no, you actually do. Like, you do need a little bit of options on a- even the smallest scale. One trade per month can enhance your portfolio." And so. For me, I think you just have to then determine like how aggressive do you want to be and how much time do you want to allocate to this. I find a lot of people use their job as an excuse. Like it's not an mm. excuse for being able to like actively manage your money. You work forty hours a week for your money and you won't give it two hours a week of like management. Like, come on, give me a break. Like yeah. you can do it, you know?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting behavior though, that we work so hard to get our money yet for some reason
1: we just yeah, put it aside true. and we just like we're like oh okay like i worked for it now i'm just going to put it in this and blindly trust that like it'll be there in 20 years you know yeah. 10% growth per year like come on like let's all be adults about this right like we yeah. wouldn't tell our kids to do that right so yeah.
0: and even after the you know the 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 large crash in 2008 2009 we still do that you know people have been hiding their money under mattresses and all kinds of stuff right they just it's so interesting to see that behavior of of, uh of human beings it's
1: like kids like i tell people like i have two daughters right like and i tell people this now as a father of two girls which is the hardest thing on planet earth to be a father (laughs) of two girls right but like i tell people this like you would not spend all this time and effort like you know with these kids and then just whimsically like release them to the world like yeah. no it's it's constant monitoring and tweaking and like adjusting and timeouts and praises and you know what i mean Yeah. and you've got to do that with your investments i mean if you don't do that now like you're you're missing the boat or you just don't care
0: yeah well said so going back to turn to, to your beginning so what helped you most in kind of your learning process was there something that you kind of picked up in terms of you know the kind of the meta aspect of, of, of learning or trading that you kind of that you sort of attach to you like okay i need to do more <coughs> of this thing uh, was anything yeah. like that that you connect with
1: you know i think early on like i like i said i mean I'm, I'm very much a numbers person so like that aspect of it comes very naturally to me i mean early on you could call it you know like mentors people that i knew at banks you know when i was in new york and even after i left new york like the relationships that i you know developed with people who who at the time were very successful, and I think probably still are, because I don't keep in touch with as many people as I need to. But um, I think the reality is, is that you have to realize that, especially in the options trading game, the wrong, the wrong like uh storyline is being portray- portrayed, and that's the quick buck, the easy money, the jump in, jump out, like all that stuff. But it's not like it's it is definitely the story of the tortoise and the hare, and you have to be the tortoise in this business, and it's the people who are around. For five years, for 10 years, for 15 years, that are wildly successful in this. And so, my goal in trading really is to be the guy who's always here the next year, right? Like, I never wanna disappear. And so that's why, like, even in the last eight years, like, I've seen guys come and go in this in this space, and we've always been here. And yet, constantly, I hear people that are like, "Like, all oh, your website's awesome. Like, I, you came out of nowhere." I'm like, "Nope, I've been here grinding for eight <laughs> years. Like, I've been talking about this crap for eight years." Yeah. Um, but I want to be that guy, you know, that that's there for a long time because that's where the numbers are. Like, the numbers, the success numbers, are really on the further end of the spectrum. Yeah. So it's the ability to get to that further end.
0: Well said. Yeah, it's such an interesting. Um, situation where we, are, we have a society that's kind of obsessed with overnight success, yet most overnight successes have been hustling for, like you said, five, eight, ten years, right?
1: <laughs> right, yeah. You know, like I always say like the best, I don't even know if somebody said it, like I just say like say it now, so I don't know if it's my quote or whatever, but like it is not about finding the fast track, it's right. about getting on the track, the right track, the fastest, right? Nice. Like it, Everyone always like is like, ah, I need the fast track, no, 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 you just need to get on the right track the fastest, it's still going to take ten yeah. years. But you just need to do the right things right away. That's yeah. and that's the problem.
0: So for you, it sounds like you know you've 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 you know you found your track. You put in you put in the deliberate the deliberate effort and worked to follow that path. What was the hardest part, or what continues to be the hardest part for you?
1: It's boring. Ah, it's really nice. boring. Yeah, it's really incredibly boring. Like I think we all have shiny object syndrome. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we get the new iPhones come out. We want to get it. Like, our phone works, right? Like, it still makes calls, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> but it's the, it's the shiny object syndrome and i th- feel like a lot of people do that and i mean look we've had 33,000 traders come through our community i've seen a bunch of people come through that you know get really engaged and then they lose steam mm. and for me the reason i stay so active in the community cuz people always ask like why do you do this why do you stay so active is because this is interesting to me versus like trading now to me is so mechanical and systematic It's just boring. Like if I did this all day by myself, I would come in for an hour or two, make my trades, and then what would I do the rest of the day? Like to me, it's mechanical and boring now. So that's been a really challenging aspect: is keeping this the same level of consistency and persistency, you know, day after day, week after week, month after month, and that's hard to do. I mean, that's that's what a disciplined investor trader does, and uh, and that's not easy to do. I mean, it's tough for sure. that's,
0: that's, That's a very very good point you raised. No, I was just thinking about this earlier today. That inspiration is very easy to come by. We all have our, you know, our, our New Year's goals, and they they come and go. Um, after a while, what tends to lag is, you know, the, the motivation to stay engaged. Like you said, right? To have to to show up, be consistent, be disciplined.
1: And <clears throat> it's that's, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, the hard like- part. Yeah, it's like working out. I mean, like I relate it to working out all the time. Like you know you gotta eat right, you gotta run, you gotta lift weights, you gotta exercise, whatever. And everyone does it for two weeks right in the beginning of the year because they're they're motivated. But really the people who are incredibly healthy and fit and all those things, like they do it day in, day out. They're at the gym every single day, or running or eating right or what that's hard to do to keep that level of consistency, no doubt. But that's the difference that's the difference maker.
0: And so how do you do it? Do you have a certain framework of processes you follow is it more a mindset is it just a, a set of habits that you've gotten in, got into Have you thought about what makes you able to show up every single day and, and perform
1: i mean like it's not you know like obviously like i think like everyone else like you make bad decisions and you start breaking your rules every now and again but for me um like the membership community that i have at option alpha naturally keeps me accountable mm. so like people always tell me like you know like you're doing this you know like membership community and i say like but listen you guys Just having somebody else on the other end keeps you so stinking accountable. Like it's crazy, right? So, like if I do something out of whack, I'll immediately get 50 comments from people and emails and voicemails, and they'll be like, yo, why, Kirk, why are you doing it like that? And I'm like, you're right, you're right. I shouldn't have done it, it. you know, whatever, you know, like, and it's not like I want it, like I deliberately did that, but it's like, yeah, actually, uh, yeah, I should have probably looked at that a little bit different, right? Or whatever. So, I think, you know, I mean, look, if I was a trader nowadays, I, I would, I would, I don't know what you would do like you know, to keep yourself accountable, whether you post it on Twitter, have somebody that you contact with regularly, you know, to keep you accountable and like talk through your trades. I mean, whether it's, you know, as hopefully somebody who understands it, but even not like just have somebody there to keep you accountable. And I think ultimately that's what people need. People need a trainer. I mean, the best basketball players in the world, the best baseball players in the world, the best golfers, everyone has a trainer, a coach, like there's a reason they have that. right? Michael Jordan's coach was not better than him at basketball, but he still had a coach. Like, come on. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that to you, but you know what I'm saying. Like I just, I get so frustrated with that when people say that.
0: Yeah, That's a great best practice. But like you said, it's not common practice, which is the, which is what we see, you know, what we see so much of. So share with us then, you know, you've kind of uh, shared a bit already. So what is your approach to trading the markets? It's options based. Do you have a particular set of strategies you employ or how do you use options to, uh, to trade? Yeah,
1: so my main focus, like the underlying fundamental, is you've got to be an option seller. Mm. And I say that very, very simply because that's where all of the numbers lie. And again, like I've been doing this for eight years. So I've been before the tasty trades of the world that had $85 million to push their message in three years. Like I've been talking about this stuff for years and years and years. And it's because the numbers always work out in the favor of an option seller. And then so from at that point, you have to understand a couple things. Like one you have no clue where the market's gonna go I mean like the reality is like you can either spend your life trying to pick and choose the couple little entry points of like where the market's gonna go or just really throw up your hands and accept the fact that the markets are pretty random pretty efficient more efficient than not more random than not yeah. not saying that they're totally random totally efficient because we all know that's not totally the case but they're more efficient than not they're more random than not so, Stop trying to worry about like where the markets are going to go. Just trade everything as neutral as possible. Be an option seller. Keep your risk size down. Like don't overload. Don't be a rodeo cowboy. You don't need to trade 50% and be a hotshot. Like play the small numbers game. Play the math game long term. So my whole strategy is built around those like fundamentals. And so ultimately this the strategy that we use may just like differ by security right if we're trading Google or Apple or Tesla yep. those are a little bit higher price securities okay so maybe we trade iron condors versus strangles and straddles yeah. right maybe we do a credit spread here that's bullish maybe we do a credit spread there that's bullish uh, or bearish so that we have a little bit of diversity so the the actual strategies themselves may differ a little bit just and even based on your own like preferences or account if you're an IRA or not IRA mm-hmm. but i think the fundamentals have to be the same you got to sell options you gotta do it small, and you gotta do it neutral, and you just keep, keep like keep having to play the probabilities over time.
0: Yeah, and so you're not trying to be too risky, selling stuff kind of naked, but us be collecting small, what's premium, kind of being covered at the same time, and just kind of risking small. It's kind of the message there.
1: I mean, like ultimately, I just to clarify, ultimately, I actually like selling things, a lot of things naked. Okay. I think naked selling is not a bad. I think it gets a really bad rap. Um, when we backtested strategies that were naked selling versus non naked selling, mm-hmm. the naked selling strategies always outperformed. Mm-hmm. I mean, like on a- almost every metric except return on capital, because the return on capital is skewed because right. in a defined risk trade, you've got defined risk, right? But exactly. on every other metric, it outperforms. It actually outperforms with least drawdowns. So like when you actually backtest a naked strategy, which everyone assumes, oh my god, naked strategy, huge loss. Yeah. Eh, not really. Like actually, it, it actually ends up having a lower drawdown than some of the other risk defined strategies like over time. So, so that like concept I think is actually kind of misconstrued in the market. But at the same time, I think there's just times where... If you sell, you know, like I just sold, was going to sell some strangles in S and P today, mm-hmm. and I was going to do it naked, but then I was looking, I was like, okay, I'm going to collect two hundred dollars, but I got to put up six grand in right. margin. Like, yeah. I'd rather just do a really wide iron condor, and you know, pay a little bit of premium out of that money to you know do something a little bit more risk-defined and not as much margin. Right.
0: And so, how do you decide then which instruments to trade? You know, you you you, you threw out a couple of equities names as well as the indices. How do you decide which which you know equities to to write on or to you know to to sell options on?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I I think you have to first like filter out like low liquidity. I think that's got to be like a hopefully an easy like no brainer. But you don't want to trade anything with a, lo- a lot of low liquidity. So sure. we really just kind of filter out first by. You know, highest you know, liquidity, not only in the stock but also in the options. And so people can get that data from like CBOE and the exchanges, I mean, it's not hard to find that. Yeah. Um, and it's totally free. From there, I really go off of the highest implied volatility ones first. Although, like having said that, which is like been the, the model that we've kind of gone off of for a long time, um, some of the numbers that we get out of our backtesting show that it's really, you know, like that's where you can make the most money, like per trade. Your your per trade, you know, credit that you get is the highest, your per trade win rate is the best on high implied volatility trades. Sure. But there shouldn't there should be a place in your portfolio for just a consistent and rhythmic selling of options. And so from there I think you just have to try to be a little bit smart in your strategy as far as which securities and which industries you're in so that you have a little bit of diversification. I'm not saying that it's going to ever like solve all the issues because I think the common misconception is like diversity works when the markets are fine, but then mm-hmm. when the markets go down, everything is correlated. Right. At the end of the day, right? So if the markets are crashing, diversity gets thrown out the window. Yeah. So you just try to do as best you can in diversifying, you know, what you have, and just keep an eye on, you know, where the markets are, and constantly try to, you know, keep yourself balanced.
0: And so, in your decision-making process, do you take into consideration company fundamentals as well as technical stuff, or what's what's your approach to?
1: to Don't that? care. You don't care. care. Yeah, don't care. I mean, like, I, I would love to say, like, I mean, obviously, if there's like a buyout rumor, I mean, sure. we're going to, like, you know, check that, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> know, make sure, like, stuff, the honestly. high things. Yeah. yeah, like, earnings are coming up and stuff like that. But on a general basis, like, I don't care because all of it's priced in. And so, as long as the markets are pretty liquid, I mean, we're just playing a long term numbers game. I mean, I really want to get on like three to 4,000 trades a year. I mean, like, that's my goal every year is to get on a lot of trades. Yeah. Um, and so I just don't have time to do that. Right. So,
0: over the time, the, the numbers and the, the odds work out in your favor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Um, and so I guess on average, then how many trades would you take in a day, in a week, in a month?
1: As much as possible. <laughs> as much as possible. Yeah. No, I say that, I say that just like, and then people like always like lightly laugh at that, which is what I get all the time. But like, yeah. I will take as many trades as possible. I mean, like I said my goal is to have three thousand trades a year. Yeah. I mean, so it's really like I'm trying to get in at least like eight contracts a day, right? Yeah. So there could be days like this week, we've really haven't made any trades. I just made a trade like probably 10 minutes before we jumped on the phone here. But like there will also be times where I'm making, you know, 15 to 20 trades a day. I think it comes in seasons, you know, it comes in like repetition and seasons. Yeah. Um where we're where we are graduating to and where I'm graduating to as a company and as a trader is to spread that out and just have some level of foundation or minimum amount that I'm constantly entering on a daily basis, mm-hmm. you know. So, so we haven't quite really narrowed that down. What you know, what we want it to be, and and we've got some thoughts on that, but we haven't. You know, there's got to be some sort of like. Every day we sell five, you know, five strangles or whatever the case is. Yeah. There has to be something that we do do on a consistent basis because when we back tested all of these strategies, we found that that was actually a pretty good determinant of, you know, success and low volatility in your portfolios having this continuous stream of income coming in.
0: Yes, yeah, so let's get to that. So let's talk about that backtesting project that year that we talked about before the show. Why don't you share with the audience maybe what that what it is that you did and maybe some of the kind of key takeaways that you've kind of figured out. Or figured
1: out. <clears throat> yeah, so one thing I would figured out is that we're totally in the wrong business. Like I told <laughs> you, was like, I really should be in the data and back, like, you know, the server and warehouse business because I, I paid too much money to those guys this year than, than <laughs> can possibly be conceivable. Um, but but ended up what we ended up doing is that, you know, like, My whole model has always been with Option Alpha is that, you know, like money that we take in, like the vast majority of it, I mean, like I could probably say 70, 80% of it goes right back out to like development in whatever way, shape, or form that ends up being. So, We've spent a lot of money that has gone to buying historical options data, which is not cheap. I mean, we're not talking about you know stock prices every closing day for two hundred you know days. We're talking you don't about, get
0: that off of Yahoo. <laughs> yeah, you don't
1: get that off of Yahoo. You yeah. got to go directly to the exchanges, and um and so that data is cube data. I mean, it's incredibly large. It's incredibly big. And from there, we built out a, a software um, and a development system that backtests different strategies. And what we're going to be doing is going to be releasing a version of that software on our website, so that people can literally come in and say, "Hey, I want to test a strangle 10 days out versus 30 days out versus 50, with a 70% chance of success versus a 90, and this profit target versus that stop loss, and what like whatever variables you want to test." And be able to historically pull up data and backtest that kind of like in real time and see what worked and what didn't. And that is something that nobody has done in this industry. And I know why, because it's incredibly expensive and it it takes a lot of data and a lot of developers, which are also very expensive to do. Um, But it's pretty incredible because we've backtested at this point 21 million different option strategies. Um, So it's pretty conceivable to say that we've. Pretty much, you know, tested every iteration or possible combination that you could think of out there.
0: Yeah. And so, what were the what were some of the takeaways? What did you kind of fig- figure out to find out that kind of fine tuned or adjusted the way that perhaps you trade?
1: So I think you know, like, there's a couple of major themes, right? Like, so we were talking earlier, like, there's there's never going to be a one size fits all strategy, right? Like, we didn't yeah. back test twenty one million, and we're like, aha, like one, we knew it, one strategy. Holy yeah. This is it, right? Like, it's not that. <laughs> yeah. But what we what we found is, um, and we use like heat maps to do this a lot, like, because it, it's a lot easier to like visually see this on a heat map versus looking at numbers. But sure. um, we use a lot of heat maps to find out like what are the clusters of of performance metrics that like really overlap, right? Like, so you know does the 30 day and the 40 day you know is there a dramatic difference between trading that far out like just 10 days like is there a difference in doing that and what we generally found is like common threads um, and you guys, you know, we can obviously link this up later on when it's live because it's not live right now, it's in beta. But sure. um, common threads that we have are, you know, definitely that option selling on a consistent basis works out, right? like, and I say that because I know I'm going to have people like, aha, like it didn't work this time. <laughs> I get it. Like it's not a hundred percent, but it works out all the time across. Two hundred plus different securities, going back sometimes twenty years, sometimes like Facebook, just a couple years. But it's always been a common thread that you got to be an option seller, and then some other things that that I think work out that are really good are are things like you've got to have loose stops. I mean, like that yeah. that to me is something that don't not a lot of people talk about. They talk about tight stops, but what we've definitely found is that it reduces your win rate dramatically, and so it's actually the person who can withstand much more of the swing and the position, the actual individual position that actually ends up winning out more often than not. So, I mean, like I say a lot, like don't have stops or have them really, really wide. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, people who have really tight stop losses end up getting stopped out all the time. Um, so that's a consistent theme. You know, what we talked about earlier, the fact that you just, you have to have like a, a baseline of continuous selling. Uh, that's not not something that we've historically done. Like we've, you know, been very much, quiet traders during low volatility Mm -hmm. and then we ramp up our activity during high volatility and now i think there's got to be a little bit of give in both so now we're going to be you know pretty consistent and steady during low volatility we'll still ramp up in high volatility but we'll already have that baseline established um so i think that's got to be a a major theme i guess the the end result of that is just you've got to be more active
0: sounds like you the takeaways that you want to be just kind of you want to be in the market more all the time right so always have some positions always on even though you selectively think it's a a low vol period you still want to have some positions on and because you never know what's going to
1: happen you, you're still going yeah. to collect premium yeah you're going to collect premium that's yeah. really what it is i mean like and like of course like there's definitely like without a shadow of a doubt there are like better setups for different periods right like so like trading the weekly options there's definitely a completely different setup you want to do there versus six you know like 60 days out yeah um and so all of those you know like will obviously be on our website and you know people can go there and grab that and that you know but the the main threads are you just gotta stay active and gotta you know be in the business
0: yeah very intriguing i can't wait for you to put that stuff up there because i'll definitely check that out because i've always been curious a lot of big options uh a uh, seller or even options buyer myself, but I've always, I've, I've dabbled well, you got the, quite your, a bit in mean, options, like, but I'll definitely check Well, you got
1: out. like really your start there, right? Like you went to a big seminar about it and all that. So yeah, so you've, yeah, that was your. I and mean, I got burnt not, really badly. So I, to be honest, that was your first love.
0: It was your first love. It's okay. And it's yeah, okay. It's I still options. have some fond memories.
1: I was gonna say, options trading broke up with you. You didn't break up with them. <laughs> that is true. It broke yeah. my heart. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's like a bad girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's it.
0: So before we get too too personal about my story, <laughs> we'll, we'll go back to to um, maybe a, an, another um, kind of a side topic that I think is uh, somewhat related. Where do you find a lot of options traders get tripped up? I know you know what what tripped me up, but uh, what have you
1: found in your kind of community? What trips people up a lot? People overthink it. I mean, like really, like I said earlier, it's a uh, once you know the numbers, it. I I swear to you, it is just. It's not no different than knowing that you have to work out, right? Yeah. Like being healthy, which is the goal. You have to work out and eat right. Now, there's a million different ways that you can get there. You can do the Yoga and Pilates. You can weightlift and sprint. I like. There's a lot of ways to get there, but the underlying fundamentals are that you have to work out and you've got to write. And in the options trading space, the goal is wealth or income, however you want to describe it. And the underlying fundamentals are you got to be an option seller and you got to keep your position size small. And like that's it. Like high probability option selling, small positions. And there's a lot of avenues to get there. So where people get tripped up is they think. Or they over assume that there's one direction, like, ah, I've got to find that one path that gets me there. No, like a bunch of paths are going to lead to the same end results. Just what fits your personality, what fits your account type, you know, like how active do you want to be in trading? And there's a lot of avenues that will generally get you in the right direction. Could there be a couple strategies or techniques that you could use that will, you know, maybe outperform the next set of techniques by a percent or two? What, I mean, we're not talking like outperform by 20%, I'm talking like little tweaks. Mm-hmm. And so where people always get tripped up, and this is something like I I try as best I can like every year to like, you know, continue to publish data on this and and do podcasts like this and whatever, because it's just about like mastering the fundamentals and the basics and you stick with those. Like you can't, you can't change those basics. Everything else more or less, I I don't say like doesn't matter, but it's all just tweaking, right? Like it's just getting down the road. Everything else, like the real fundamentals are the key. So don't Mm -hmm. overthink things. People overthink it all the time.
0: And because options is such a deep world there's so many different strategies there's so many things you can do to adjust positions and so on and so forth <coughs> i think it's kind of that shiny bauble syndrome we talked about before already where it's easy to 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 overthink it because there's so many things you could be thinking about um is there a way for people to? Is there some sort of you know good path where people can say you know what i can this is how i can start and it's you know and make sense of a direction and and try to get on that right direction versus you know just trying a bunch of things and never figuring out what works best for them.
1: Yeah, so I and I think you're to, you're 100% right like couldn't be more right when you say like people look at the world of options trading and they associate complicated with high returns, right. which is the wrong association. The association you should be making is simplicity and consistency equals high returns. Mm, nice. And so uh, they get in the world of options trading. and they're like, okay, I got to do like all of these different things. I got to have like this butterfly thing and iron condor thing and all these hedges and delta neutral and all this other, that's not what you should be doing. What you should be doing and like like what you said, I'll try to give people an idea of what you should be doing just even on a very simple basic like month to month basis is just sell a neutral iron condor every single month. Like that is like a simple building block to You know, like getting you started on this path. Will that be the end all solution? Should you allocate 100% of your account to that iron condor? No, but just sell one neutral iron condor that's risk defined, that forces the market to make a big move, and do that repetitively and consistently over time. And so that's what you need to be doing is like finding the strategies that fit your model or your framework or whatever it is. And do that over and over again. I'll give you an example. I had a guy on our, our podcast that's uh, I don't even I don't know by the time that this show goes live, whenever it is that if this show will be out, but there's a, a member of our community who literally all he does every single day is go in and sell one put credit spread on the S and P five hundred and close one put credit spread on the S and P five hundred. That's it. It takes him ten minutes. <laughs> He goes in in the morning. He sells one and he closes one from like sixty days back, like the last one. It's like first in, first out. Like that's all he does. Yeah. And he's done that year after year after year, and he made twenty two percent annualized growth, compounded growth rate of twenty two percent for like fifteen years. Oh, nice. Ten minutes a day. I mean, like yeah. ten minutes a day in, out, done. Off with his day, and he does real estate as like his full time job. But, like, I mean, that's incredible, right? But if that fits his strategy. Like, he doesn't care about anything else. He just, he, like, does the bread and butter. He comes in every day and he shoots foul shots. He shoots three, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's what he does. He's churning butter. He's just churning He's butter. He's churning every butter. That's it. Day. Yeah. Every day.
0: Yeah, I like that strategy a lot. Never even thought about that. That's, that's a fascinating one. Yeah. Yep. Very good one. And so, just to talk about, um, um, as we get close to the end of our, our time together here. Um, so, in terms of your own performance, what do you do to to... To get the best out of yourself. So, you know, we've talked about health and, 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 you know, being in shape and eating well. What do you, fiz- what do you personally do to get the best out of your, you know, performance day in and day out?
1: <laughs> well, I have two girls and I chase them <laughs> all around the house, right? Like, so if they you hear them sh- yeah. screw me in the background. Like, if, I, I take a picture of this all and I put it up on uh, like Facebook and Twitter before, but like my office is like half office, half playroom, right? So like, they're <laughs> home with me all the time. So true. they keep me incredibly like, um, you know, busy. I've got a t- personal trainer, so I take my health very serious. Um, I'm running training to f- run my first half marathon here in the next like month and a half, which oh, has nice. been really exciting because I hate running. So, like, been, <laughs> good luck!
0: Best of it, luck,
1: <laughs> it is like it's been a goal of mine to do something I don't like this year, and that yeah. is something I don't like to do, but yet I want to do it. Um, so I think that's got to be it. You know, like I really try to stay away from reading the news or like reading the news, watching TV. like. Mm. I hate anytime that like anybody brings up like CNBC. I hate going into like a bar or like a restaurant and seeing that stuff up there. Like I think it's poisonous to see this like all the time. So I try to keep myself as disconnected as possible from the market. And I don't know about you, but like and this is something that's like very personal that I say, but like I have started like in the morning like doing like a slow like Trying to like meditate like that's like a goal of mine to like meditate more, yeah. um, and just it's not even meditation. It's just clearing your mind, like having no thoughts and like very being very clear on your path and stuff like that. And if anybody's actually tried to do this, it's incredibly hard mm-hmm. to like not think of anything for a minute. It's, like yeah. your wine mo- or your mind wanders. So. Um, that's something I've been doing just like on the mental side of things. Um, and believe me, this backtesting stuff has kept me really sharp with numbers because the expenses that are coming in, I have to keep (laughs) track
0: of. Yeah. And just to talk about meditation for a second. Yeah. I think that's one of the the biggest profound, um, activities for me as I, you know, as you do it. Okay. So
1: you do it. You do a lot of meditation.
0: Yeah. I I spend about. Uh, probably about 40 minutes a day meditating.
1: Wow. And, See, uh, that's impressive. Cause I'm like at five, really, I can do five good minutes today. I like
0: yeah, right. usually do about 20 minutes in the morning and then uh, 25 minutes in the morning and then 15 in the, in the evening.
1: Wow. That's yes. incredible.
0: But do you right once you find that, uh, Find that groove, then things shift a lot. It's uh, it does like
1: I can definitely tell. Like I've been doing it for a couple of months now, so like if people know, like it's not you can't get up to forty minutes right away. How long have you been doing actually? I no, now i like, doing it for you. several
0: years now. Um, yeah, right. But I've so I've started that's to really incorporate into my into my trading probably for the past two years.
1: Okay, good. And so that's what I expect. And maybe I'll have you on my podcast talking about this because I think you know like I've been doing it for a couple of months now. And, like five minutes a day to me is like oh, it feels so good to do <laughs> yeah. five minutes a day. And I'm like, man, if I could get to like 10, like I would be so clear that's on it. exactly what I want to do and all that. Yeah. And if you do it
0: even like before you go to bed or before just as a way to, to cool down your day, wrap up your day, it's kind of like brushing your teeth, right? Like it's a way to, to clean your mind before you, you go to bed. It's, you, know, you would never think about going to sleep without brushing your teeth. It's become that same way for me now where I wouldn't imagine sleeping without at least you know, first clearing my mind. So wow. It's a good practice.
1: Actually, you know, I should do that more in the evening because I just I feel like I go to bed with like thought, 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 That's thought. That's it. Yeah. Yep. And the neat yep.
0: thing is that when you know once you start meditating for a while, you begin to see, you recognize people who are not meditating. <laughs> you do <laughs> really yeah, quickly. You, do. you, know, like, you do That person needs like, to meditate.
1: <laughs> it is, you know, like, and I don't not like this needs to be like a meditation podcast, but I think it's really <laughs> important because you have to be so clear. Like my goal has been like to be so clear on the things that I'm doing. Like one goal, like I'm holding a domino right now. If like this is the craziest thing, because like. I truly like want to be at the point where like I'm doing one thing at a time, like one major goal, one activity, like, like totally, that. totally clear. And it's like that whole domino mentality, just yeah. like hit the first domino, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think meditation is like a great way to get there. So that's actually fascinating. I did not know that you did that. So that's actually really cool.
0: Cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your ritual and routine around that. And so what do you do to have fun so you know sounds like you know you have some pretty good routines set up you have your daughters that are keeping you really busy Uh, and you're not doing things that you don't like like that half marathon what do you do for fun
1: (laughs) well well i I still do spend a lot of time with my uh my wife and my family i mean like ultimately like i actually really like running our community at option alpha like i get a ton of enjoyment out of doing it um nice people call it workaholic i don't call like i do not see it as like work like I don't ever sit down at the computer. And I'm like, God, I've got to answer emails. Like, I don't ever do that. Like, <laughs> I like doing this. Um, so we do that. We also, um, you know, spend a lot of time with our cousins and, you know, our family. I mean, where we live now in Pennsylvania. You know, moving from DC was definitely a family shift for us. Now that we have the two girls, and uh, and so my wife is one of like, i haven't even guess here and say 36, 37 cousins um, in this area. I mean, it's like we do a lot with our extended wow. family, which yeah. is great. Like so whether it's going to the zoo or the park or the baseball games or the hockey games or whatever, like we do a lot of that. Uh, love to ski, love to snowboard, try to get out there as much as possible in the winter. Um, so yeah, we try to do a little bit of everything. Awesome, man. And
0: so maybe just a couple last questions. So you know, we talked a lot about options today and and some of the resources that you have on your site, but would you recommend any, you know, books that are either options-based or options-related or not options-related? Are there any top books that you tend to share with people or or or, or things you like to share with people?
1: I actually don't, you know, like a book, the book thing is something I get asked a lot of time a lot, and I don't think that there are that many great books on options trading right now. I think there's a, I think let me preface that by saying There's a lot of books on options pricing and options models and strategies and things like that, but not a lot of good books on like the mechanics behind it, right? And I think that the mechanics are more important than necessarily knowing how to calculate the Black Scholes model, right? So, so I I won't recommend any of those. I think there's a lot of incredible books on just like being a great business person and being a great entrepreneur in this space, and I think those are the types of books that that really people should be reading. So like the one thing by Gary Keller. Uh, pumpkin yeah, Plan, like that's why I hold this domino all the time in my hand yeah, on that's the a good desk. Reminder. Uh, the pumpkin Plan is a great book. I forget who it's from. It's over my my shelf, but I'm tethered to the computer for this podcast. But um, the Punkin Plan is a great book. The One Thing is another great book. I mean, just did I say the One Thing already? Yeah. So yep. like, those are the ones that I think people should start start reading because you got to treat this like a business Yeah. And like too, too many people like Hobby Lobby into this place right like mm-hmm. let's be honest like oh, I'm gonna whimsically do it like no you should think about this like opening up a restaurant like it's a five-year five process from the start like go into it with that type of mentality you'll be totally different.
0: Great message and so what would you advise a trader who's already doing well but wants to go from good to great let's say they're already consistent but they really want to take it to the next step any advice to that to that
1: person? stop doing all the stuff that you know you shouldn't be doing Mm, like cut cut the fat like let's get down to the meat and potatoes of what you should be doing like you know that you're goofing around and you know you're doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing like i look at twitter all the time and i'm like god like twitter is a buyout opportunity waiting to happen right like you know what i mean like they're losing money they've got a great presence like they are just waiting for somebody to buy them out yeah so would i love to buy some out of the money call options on twitter you betcha right but like that's not what i should be doing right now Mm. so like to use my own like mentality as an example my own case study like that's what you shouldn't be doing so cut the crap that you know you shouldn't be doing and double down on everything else that works nice so uh, let's wrap wrap the things up here where we are so where can people find out
0: more about you if they've enjoyed what we've talked about today where's the best place they can you know stay in touch with you contact you where can they go
1: so the best place is at optionalpha.com. We've got a huge community there. I guarantee you're not going to get left out. You're going to get supported there not only by me but also by other people. And what I what I really like about our community there is that you've got people in there that I mean they, they don't even know each other from Adam, right? And they are helping each other, answering questions, sending each other files and links and sharing excel's and that is priceless. So the fact that we've built that up is incredibly remarkable. Everything that we have as far as video content and PDFs and checklists and webinars, totally 100% free. No catch whatsoever. It's all free stuff. I do not want to be the type of person that has 90% of what you need free and then you have to pay for the 10% so everything that you need to be successful or what I believe to be successful in this business is totally 100% free. When you start getting into like the actual particulars and like the, you know, I want to see you trade Kirk and I want to join your strategy calls on the weekend. Of course, like that takes more of my time. So that's going to be paid stuff, but we've got everything out there that you can learn for free and it's a wealth of information that you're missing if you're not a part of it.
0: Yeah, I love that. And and definitely check out Kirk's website, optionalpha.com. Option Tons of resources, tons of content, like Kirk said. It goes deep, so definitely check out his site. So, Kirk, thank you so much again for your time today. I had a, had a blast, man.
1: Awesome, man. Thank you.
0: And, folks, as usual, you can find the show notes, all the books uh, you know, that Kirk just mentioned there, all the other resources we talked about by going to the show notes page at thetradingedge.org backslash episode 30. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. By the way, I sent out a weekly newsletter where I share my latest insights as well as articles, videos, and performance tips and tricks that have caught my attention during the week. So if you're interested, come over to the blog at thetradingedge.org to sign up for my weekly newsletter. <laughs>
2: You've been listening to the Trading Edges podcast. We've taken this interview and summarized all the big ideas so that you can take action. Just head over to the tradingedge.org slash podcast to find the show notes, transcript, resources, and to continue the conversation.